Vegas, it's another big hello once again to all of our listeners as we bring you our um, 101st episode, having uh, punched through the 100 episode mark last week. Uh, and of course, it's, uh, you know, you're listening to us right here on 88.3 Southern FM, Sounds of the Bayside. And if you happen to uh, miss this or you can't listen in, um, you can certainly catch us on a couple of the uh, podcast platforms. And uh, and I, could, I think it's probably fair to say that... Um, that we basically have rolled in here today because we're coming off the back of, first of all, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I, was getting, hello. I was getting to I you. Thought, I thought you were doing a solo so, model. No, no, no. mate? I'm pretty good. As I say, I, I, I got the feeling that we sort of rolled in here a little <laughs> bit because we're still getting over the fact that we attended the Yumcha Olympics we did on yesterday. Sunday. Oh, and, and, Sunday, uh, yes, on Sunday, and we entered right, the uh, the men's 100 trolleys. We did. <laughs> and, uh, and I think we won. Your pet event. <laughs> it's, it's, your, oh, it's, it's your pet it's event. right in my wheelhouse, you it's know It's your that. pet event, and we so, uh, we had a very good time of it. And I took you to a new establishment that, uh, you, that did. you had you hadn't been to before, so oh, that, was a, uh, that was a good very thing. Very excited. Because uh, we like the fact that they've got the trolleys. Trolleys are the uh, ant's pants. Trolleys are the best, the because uh, there's no menus. You don't have to sort of wait for anything, so within about you just 45 seconds, we point and <laughs> say one of those, two yes, of those, and yeah, three we of had those. The, the prawn That's and right. pork and chive and yes. you know, shoe my. And um, mm-hmm. I think we, I think we uh, managed a couple of pieces of uh, picking duck, we, if I was not mistaken, of course. <laughs> Oh, natural. And then natural. Uh, washed it down with some very nice wine, too. So, uh, um, lovely time. Um, Good time had by all. Uh, and we, we, of course, have that lunch as a celebratory. A little celebratory yes. piece, wasn't it? Yes, exactly right. So, you're well? I'm you well. To Super. See you again? Never been better. <laughs> Never been better after one million <laughs> dumplings. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we love So, we've done 100 shows. Yes. And uh, that's, uh, that's something. Um, but I was I was having a look uh, through the week, and uh, Ruin HG, of course. Yes. If you've known, no, you'd, everyone wouldn't listening would know Ruin HG. Yes, indeed. Uh, they they began on the uh, airways in 1986, so oh. they've been going for 36 years. So, Scotty, oh, yes, only another 33 to go. Oh, 30, <laughs> 33 to go <laughs> to catch them. <laughs> I was going to say, I wish I could pledge to you that I'll still be here, but God willing, I will be, but not sure how, years, what sort of form we're going to be 33 in 33 years, years time. Jeez. We'll be doing a different style of show. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be yeah. doing it from a, a retirement village, yes, probably somewhere. Yes. An electric chair, possibly, possibly, with a blanket over our knees. <laughs> Reflecting on, uh, you know, what the young folk oh, get up to these days. Goodness but, me. Uh, good on them. Who that's knows a, what we would be an amazing, about in the 33 years. Amazing Yes, that's a uh, heck of an innings and, uh, and clearly not letting up. No, still going strong. Oh, yeah, good on them. Yeah, very, very good. Very good. So um, I've got a lot to get through today. Good, um, including like. um, um, you've got some stuff on on wine. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> yes. So gonna, have I. Just going to go back into the wheelhouse again. <laughs> I don't really know where to start. I'll tell you where I'll start. Yeah, go on. Um, you know, I like my music. Yep. And what's been very exciting is um, always live, which is a brainchild of was Michael Gadinsky announced his son Matt Gadinsky. Yes. In cooperation with the um, government, the Victorian government, yes, they're um, they're planning a hundred events across Melbourne over the coming months. I heard that yesterday. So there's going to be actually. lots and lots of musical events. Yes, um, two are two have already been announced. Nick yep. Cave is playing at Hanging Rock, and Billy Joel's at the MCG. Yep. And there's a third blockbuster concert about to be announced in coming weeks. Right. And I'm not sure it's the Robbie Williams one at the. It could be. It could be the other one at the grand final. I don't know whether it's part of it. But it's going to be stadium concerts, regional centre concerts, country festivals, smaller pub and rooftop gigs, and a whole lot of industry events concentrated from late November to mid-December. So, end of this year, we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Going on in Melbourne town, yeah, yeah. and um, it's 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 also um, something else that I probably mentioned to you. Our good friend Andrew Watts involved in this. Yes, um, there's going to be a local version of South by Southwest, right? Which is the big festival um, of music and tech and everything in Austin, Texas. Yeah, right. is the uh, Australian representative of that wow. particular vehicle, and they're going to have one in Sydney. 
Very so good. So they're going to have an Australian version of South By, which will be fantastic as well. So I'll be getting up to Sydney for that. But yeah, um, great. the good news in all of this is musicians have done it very tough yep. for the last few years, like a lot yep. of people. Yep. Um, but they're getting uh, funding. And all these events are, are getting government support, which is fantastic, and some very good people running it. Um, so that's all a good thing. So I think, I think that's good news, and we so, like good news. So was Robbie Williams part of that? Uh, well, sure, that I think that's piece. more an AFL. That's, that's Gil McLaughlin, you know, he wants to go out on a high. Yeah. He wants yeah. to sign the world's biggest television deal. I'll tell you what. It- See Robbie... And just exit stage it, left, saying uh, top that the next person in the chair. It would be, I, I reckon, you could just about pencil him in for either first song or the last song of Let Me Entertain. Oh, that'll be the opening. I reckon that'll song. be. Uh, I would have thought. I reckon that'd be pretty cool to hear Robbie in front of 100,000 grand final day singing Let Me Entertain. Totally he'll, agree. He'll be nice and amped up for that, I reckon. He will be. And, uh, I reckon that's a, it's a, great, a great get. And, um, of course, some. Um, we had written our boys off, but uh, they bounced back. Hell, they bounced back with uh, a large uh, win I, over I, the Carlton. I think I did share with you that uh, my house was a bit chirpy uh, <laughs> all week in the lead up to Friday night's game, no, and it's, good um, to see. it's been fairly quiet ever since. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I shared with you. I think described. I shared with you that I went with a whole lot of Carlton people. Yes, you did. Yes, and um, I think you were the Trojan horse, weren't you? They yes. won't be inviting me back to their particular oh, club. No. Nope. I got a bit chirpy. Just once only? I got a bit excited. Oh, did you? It's a one-time only uh, attendance did for me. Get, did you get a tap on the shoulder? No, no, I wasn't. Or did I you wasn't, get a, a bit of a glare? I wasn't out of order. Right. I was just um, voraciously supporting my you were, team. You were swimming between the flags. I was. I yeah, was. I you, behaved. But you moved them out a bit this time. Oh, no, went just on. flexing my elbows <laughs> just, a bit uh, just, just, <laughs> just put the elbows out of it, did you? <laughs> yes, yes. So that was a good fun, uh, good, good fun, good fun weekend for me. I loved be all of that. Interesting to see how the rest of the season. Plays I met a guy way. on Saturday. We just had an impromptu. Um, he's the guy. He used to, he flies the Elvis helicopters. Yeah, you know, bushfires. You were, you were telling me about. It. I think that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Talk to him. And his speciality. Let me get it right. Is low level firefighting helicopter piloting. Yeah. If that's a yeah. In a convoluted term, but um, pretty dangerous. And yeah. you've got to know your stuff because yeah. there's a lot of smoke and heat and all the rest yeah. of it. And the weight of the water and the uh, all of that. The aircraft. So uh, yeah. I thought that was a pretty fascinating occupation. Yeah, I it made so. my life sound quite boring. <laughs> I wouldn't call your life boring, but his would be uh, a little bit heart and mouth stuff, I reckon, from time to well, time. Well, imagine the adrenaline rush of yep. all of that. Yep. That would be fantastic. And, um, but they do they... such a great job, of course, protecting um, yep. properties and livelihoods yeah, they do. and all of that. So yep. that was interesting. So, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a bit of stuff going on. And including this guy, which I, I, I heard this through the week, which I loved. Yes. This is from the inventor. This is Mr. Martin Cooper, 92, inventor yeah. of the mobile phone. Really? He invented the Motorola Dynatac 8000X. Really? Which was one of the early versions of the mobile phone in 1973. Gee whiz. Which is earlier than I would have thought. Yeah, I thought it was sort of late 70s. Yeah, so anyway, um, he's uh, he said he's, he's stunned by how much time people now waste on their devices. Really? Um, he was informed on a, he was having a, he was on a BBC breakfast show and um, a co-host there said she uh, spent upwards of five hours a day on her phone. Right. To which he replied, really? Why don't you get a life? Oh, well, he'd be saying that to a lot of people. So, a lot of people spend a I lot of time. Out, I put it out to my um, kids yes. last night. Yes. How much time do you think you would spend on your device? Well, they can tell. They and can go um, into the, uh, the, the, one of them uh, said, definitely not that much. Really? And the other one said, much more than that. Oh, right. To which I replied, get, get a life, life. <laughs> <laughs> young man. <laughs> But how's that? You know, oh. um, and, and then he, he went, the son went on to say, "Well, it's his fault. The bloke that invented it." Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. I said, "No, hang on. I, I, only hang grow, on. I only grow up with I, it. I'm pretty sure he just invented the phone. He didn't invite invent all the apps that are now no, uh, resident see, on the, said device." That's the problem. I mean, if you actually, if you broke it down as to the amount of time that you spend talking on your mobile phone, yes, versus 
the amount of time you spend on your phone Texting, with everything else that it app, does. Apping, checking well, it's emails. Everything though, isn't it? it's, it's everything, isn't yeah, it? It's everything. It's music. It's watching That's clips. It. It's watching yep. movies. It's, I mean, it's the, the last thing that it, that it actually is, is a mobile phone. They'll probably <laughs> invent one that doesn't actually work as a phone. Well, that's just called, it's called an iPad. It's called a computer on your wrist, <laughs> is right. it not? Oh, that was pretty interesting. Yes. 92, 1973, yeah. first mobile well, phone. I'll tell you what, talk about first mobile phones. If memory serves, I reckon in about 1987, yeah. I got my first in-car phone. Oh, yes. 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 I think it cost $6,500. And that's how much a minute it cost to actually be on it. (laughs) It was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous, the cost. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the novelty, you know, a couple of your mates would get in the car and go, Oh, can I ring mum in New Zealand and have a chat to her? (laughs) Going, Oh, my God. The novelty wore off when you got the Can you leave the money on the fridge? Yeah, very true. Yeah, there wasn't much money left on the fridge, I'll tell you. But anyway. Very good. Very good. Um, So that crossed my eye. I thought that was pretty interesting. Martin Cooper, 92. Good on him. He's yeah, seen right. a bit of change in the use of his device over yeah, the journey, well, I thought hasn't he? So. Well, there's, that, there, there's a fact that I've never heard before. Like, go, if, somebody, if that was a trivia question and said, who invented the mobile phone? I'd go, Alice Cooper? No. <laughs> Every day is a school day Every here on day. the two smoking guns, as it you is. are well aware. It is. Well now, aware. you were just talking about a couple of doyens of, doyens. Uh, of, of their craft yep. and, and their craft being on radio and on TV and, and whatnot. Yep. Um, I came across a little piece that sort of had a bit of a, a whack at the uh, at the radio industry. Oh, did you? Um, yes, um, which you don't often see, but it basically says hosts a uh, uh, host of reasons radio execs need to rethink. Um, and I'm hoping that the care, radio... Care, ex- careful. Uh, yeah, careful. I was going to say, I'm hoping that the radio execs <laughs> of this particular station did not see this article. Be very careful. our 101th show will be out last. <laughs> um, no, but what, it actually, what it's sort of referring to is radio craft. Yes. In terms of, you know, how they perform. So, um, you know, May, uh, Melbourne Radio Legend has lamented the sloppy state of the airways due to industry bosses hiring TV, stand-up and sports people as hosts. Right. So it's sort of so you know, grabbing someone that... that used to play AFL yeah. or somebody who used to play netball or you know, yeah. what it, whatever it be, because they might be colourful or you know, somewhat entertaining in their own right, but that doesn't actually make them a very good radio presenter. Necessarily, no, very good. So it says, make. when will radio station execs understand that hosting a show is actually a skill and not something you just give to someone because they are on television, do stand-up, play sport, or write a newspaper column, Kevin Hillier said. The legendary Kevin Hillier has been around for a long time. Um, the fact it continues to happen is why hosting is sloppy. There is a difference between getting the job done and doing it really well. He goes on to say, Hillier co-hosted uh, Fox FM's uh, Morning Crew with Peter Grubby Stubbs, uh, Diane Dunleavy, uh, Dennis O'Kay and Ian McFadden, McFadden, I should say, apologies, Ian. Um, Mick Malloy was a writer and producer on the show. He also anchored the Kevin Hillier and DJ shows on Triple M. Uh, Hillier's Fortnight Review uh, attracted immediate support. Uh, Stubbs of Fox, uh, Gold and AW Fame said, without sounding, I, I can't even pronounce this word, curmudgeonly, Curmudgeonly. Curmudgeonly, is yes, it? Yes, I don't reckon I've ever seen that word written. Cum, a curmudgeon is a grumpy person. Yeah, okay, sounding yes, uh, yes. curmudgeonly. Um, Kevin, you are so right. The other thing real announcers do is inadvertently or deliberately pass on skills and knowledge to newcomers. So you can imagine that you know the likes of uh, all these sports people he's making reference to probably... Uh, very much caught up in their own world and couldn't give two flyings mm. about trying to help some young up-and-comer, necessarily. So whether they take heed and, you know, I would think probably, um, you know, I mean, maybe take the situation with uh, Brendan Favola. Yeah. Now, I think he's reinvented himself, you know, 360 degrees. Um, you know, having 
done his footy stuff and TV and whatnot, and then his um, antics at the Logies, which is well documented. Um, he is he's flying, you know. He's and, and actually a very good radio person, and you can hear his craft has changed. Well, he's probably of, learned. Of, yeah, someone's well, taught he, him he probably has. So anyway, there we go. They've uh, they've decided. Well, your point's well made, and I hadn't really thought about it, but they they. They tend to have people that have a profile, yep, um, and or have been on Big Brother or something like that. Yep. So they've got a following, yes, that they try and parlay into their you know listening audience. So you could put them in a couple of categories. But I listen I to think. quite a few stations across the, the as, as part of research. Yes, and there's quite a few that aren't. Well, they don't have good voices, and they're not that funny, no. and. They're a bit sloppy and, yeah, know, I don't know. Yeah, there's... Um, but we're, be, we're on really shaky ground here. A <laughs> pair of us. <laughs> what grounding have we got? Yes, but money changes hands with these people. Uh, yes. They have contracts. Oh, they do, do they? Yes. What's, anyway, what's a contract? We might, we might just sh- shut the door there. <laughs> Will we? But we I, think it's a, I think it's a port well made. I mean, if you look at the, <clears throat> the likes of, um, you know, probably Anthony Hudson... And uh, Bruce McAvaney, you know, they weren't famous sporting people. They, they created their craft around sports broadcasting, um, you know, and yet others go on and can be incredibly colourful like Rex Hunt. And, yeah. Um, well, take, it's a broad church. Yes. Take, takes all sorts. Yes, it does. So there well we go. Done. We might no, just leave it there. Run that up the flagpole uh, just for the, we don't the sake be, of nothing. don't want to be critical of the industry of which we're a part. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll be back after the break. Right. I'm just checking that we're still going to be on air. <laughs> Check. One, two. <laughs> yeah, the two smoking guns. Uh, we're, still made, we're still on air. There might, after be, that there might be, about there the radio might be no smoking guns no shortly gun if shortly. the phone rings. <laughs> Now, I did have um, a couple here, um, a little bit about wine, because I know you've got a wine piece. Yes, I've got another piece about and, wine, And uh, this is a great one, because you know I've recently done a wine appreciation. You course. have, and I've, I was uh, still waiting to wait. see whether I pass. But um, When do you find that out? In a few weeks' time. Right, okay. All the exam papers were sent to the uh, to the headquarters of the organisation in London. Yeah. Wow. By <laughs> snail Pardon mail. Pardon me, Your Honour. <laughs> Subbuffed. They wouldn't fax them or scan them. They've sent them by pigeon will, mail. Will it, will it come with a royal seal? Oh, you know, probably the wax a seal wax or seal. something. Yes, that's, um, that's what I'm hoping. Might get, might get notified by telegram. Oh, or there you go. French police in Bordeaux. This is from, which is a very famous region in the southwest of France. Yes. In case you don't want to wear. Yes. No, um, just that's just me exhibiting my knowledge. Remotely familiar with that part right. of the world. Very nice wines uh, yes. out of Bordeaux. Yes. Uh, French police have broken up a gang that has produced hundreds of thousands of bottles of fake Bordeaux wine yes. in an elaborate counterfeit operation. Yes. Officers investigating drug dealing in the southwest French region discovered printing machinery being used to create labels for bottles, mm-hmm. sparking a wider probe that led to the arrest of 20 people. The gang was buying low-grade wine yes. from other areas in France, then bottling it up with the printed labels and selling it as expensive local produce. Well, I think we've been down this path before because if memory serves, um, didn't we talk about at some stage the fact that they were trying, to, they were having a bit of a lend of pinfolds at one stage. In fact, I think the label said pinfolds. That so, was, I believe, the Chinese. It was was the Chinese who yes. uh, have a have a a wine. Called Benfolds. Yeah, Benfolds. That's what it's it not was. Not Benfolds Five, yeah, the yeah, band. No, but Benfolds. Yeah, it was called Benfolds. And uh, the label looked remarkably like the Benfolds label. Similar sort of colouring, I thought. Um, and, but uh, it, it, uh, the giveaway probably was the fact that it said um, uh, Benfolds Three Eight and Eight. <laughs> <laughs> They're just out by one number. Out by one number. What <laughs> Three Eight. The, 8. Seven, 5. the seven two seven. <laughs> That's right. So yes, it's. I'm sure that has been the case. And um, and wasn't it? Wasn't there a period of time where uh, restaurants would actually bring out a very nice bottle and show it to you? Then take it away in order to pour it back in the kitchen, of which the chateau crap, yeah, the two thousand twenty two, ended up in your glass, and wow. you were stung Look, like a I bee. Think, I think 
the savvier wine yeah. person would under, would understand that that's not the right wine. But anyway. Yeah, well, um, I think that's true. Um, I think it was about the fourth in bottle. In further news from <laughs> Paris, this is a great story about someone who picked up a marble bust in an art market. Yes. You know, your flea markets, your yeah. art markets, your open markets that they have in, in Paris. Oh. Turns out oh. it's a 200-year-old sculpture oh. of a young Napoleon Bonaparte, according to Sotheby's. No. And they said it's going on sale and it's going to fetch between 120 and £180,000. Oh, I thought you were going to say million. That's a profit. That's a profit. It was apparently sculpted. By Giuseppe Franchi in 1797. And an unnamed collector came across it in an art market. No. Where it was described as an, on, an anonymous man in the 19th century. He's picked it up and now he's on. He's shifting it Do, for does uh, he, 180,000 uh, pounds. Did it make reference to the fact that he noticed that that he actually knew what it was? Or no, was I it just completely out of fluke? Lucky. Lucky right. Giuseppe. Yeah. There you go. Imagine, you know, if you bought that, you know, for two pound, oh, and up, then you man. then you go, I'm going to stick it on Facebook for ten pound <laughs> yeah, and see right, how it goes. Yes, and then sell it on eBay. Minute, Charlie, on Facebook email. About hundred and eighty thousand pounds, old chum. <laughs> so uh, you might want to add some zeros. That's exactly right. Um, well, while you yes, um, correct. Um, you were just going to give me a little prompt, or I was going to go straight back into the territory of wine because there is a, now a very big monumental shift in this, the wine industry. This is massive. So I think, and when we were having lunch on Sunday, I, I described to you um, my, my sense of um, something, uh, you know, of a wine bottle, um, you know, and its presentation and uh, the labelling. Um, being somewhat romantic, oh, very you know, much. And, so, and I think like some of the romance has been taken away when we've gone from corks to screw tops because that's a bit of a non-event. Whereas before, it was the make sure you don't crack the cork and yeah. do it slowly, and that last little piece Ease it out. <laughs> As it comes out, and you look at the end of the cork to see how much saturation there's yeah. been, um, you know, and the cork becomes a bit of a feature in itself. So and now we just go. Yep. The old screw top. Anyway, um, the bottles are in danger. They are. They are. And look, probably for good reason, because what, they, what they're suggesting is, um, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll read to you if I may, a new eco-friendly wine bottle that has a potential to halve the carbon emissions of your favourite drop launched nationally last week. Uh, it is the Australian wine industry's latest move away from environmentally damaging glass. Yeah. So right. the whole procedure of producing the glass and then the cost of transportation, the weight of that, um, and then the destroying and, and recycling of that glass all leads to a very, very big um, footprint. Carbon emission. Footprint. So yes. it's now um, called the flat pack bottle, mm -hmm. and it's made 100% recycled PET plastic yep. um, eliminates one of the major drivers of wine carbon footprint. It is also fully recyclable. Um, beverages in general need to take responsibility for their environmental impact, says Mike Benny, co-owner co of P&V Wine and Liquor Merchants in Sydney. I think we're well overdue with a reinvention of wine packaging. It is estimated that the glass packaging and transport contributes 68% of the carbon emissions from each bottle of wine in Australia. So it's, it's big. It's a big number. You can imagine, too, um, the cost of uh, transporting uh, glasses. Yeah, that's wine. what I mean. Because yeah, so when, you, I, when, when mine arrives, it's all the cardboard packaging that protects the wine glasses yep. from being smashing into smashing, each other and, and, and breakages and, and yep. whatnot. And the weight is, is quite significant. 100%. You know, yeah, yep. I need to go to the gym on a regular basis so I can pick up <laughs> pick up my, my boxes of wine. <laughs> and you'd imagine that a flat pack plastic bottle would yep. be lighter. Um, you'd probably be able to package more of them into a into yep. a box and yep. ship them. They don't come yeah. in. A, they don't come in in dozens anymore. It comes as five dozen. <laughs> yeah, you'd, get, you'd get probably. I've seen if you're holding up a picture. I reckon you'd probably get. 
20, 20 of those in, in, a, in a, a standard box, well, maybe I, more. I think, the, I think the way that they're potentially going to produce them could be quite easily that and, yeah. and more. So it says fossil fuels are burnt to make the glass. More fuel is needed to transport weighty bottles, as you've just indicated. And even the process of recycling glass releases carbon. Uh, packaging business, Packamama, that's a great name, isn't it? Packamama. 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 Created the bottle with these considerations in mind, launching in the UK in May of 2018, followed by European Union and Nordic countries. Yeah. Company says studies in those markets showed the bottle had between 45 and 53% fewer emissions than various glass bottles. Hmm. Uh, the front pack bottle joins an assortment of canned wines, new wave casts, pouches, wine on tap, and other glass-free innovations adopted in the past few years. Coles Liquor, um, sorry, one of the big two, currently the only stockist of the bottles. So the internal research uh, showed a strong customer preference for sustainable choices, with one or two people claiming they change their behaviour due to product packaging. So, and it goes it's on. It's not new, it? is it? Because we've had the cooler bar cask in the past. Yeah, we've had the we've had the beach pillow for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can buy. I noticed at a music festival I was at. Yes. Pre-COVID, you could buy a glass of wine. Yes. In one of those plastic cups, and you peel peeled the plastic off the top to drink the wine. Yeah, right. And they also had wine in cans. Yes, yeah, wine in cans. So yeah. I, I think it's certainly something for the for the everyday quaffable wine. Yeah, you'd go fine. Yeah, but clearly the selling potential of PET plastic is probably not it's great. It's got a shelf life of three years. Right, that's so, the downside. So, right? so for, for anyone who's more serious about their wine collecting, yep. yes, they would still go and, to. The and bottles. I would think then the value of those bottles would increase even further. Because well, they're in glass. That's, that's potentially Because we may get to a point in true. 40 years' time where there is no glass. Because a lot of the bottles. reason, of course, Scotty, is the reason the glass, the bottles are darker green or brown, yes. is to protect the wine light. from light. Correct. Yep. So that's interesting, though. I, I'm not opposed to this. I think um, no. <clears throat> anything that can help the carbon footprint. Yeah, well, it's in, um, in the last piece. <clears throat> getting, getting more wine in a box delivered is, is, a, is not a bad thing. But not if it comes with a straw. No. You stick it in the top like one of those milk, milk containers. Like a sunny boy or something. <laughs> and, and, it, and it does literally finish off saying, older wine connoisseurs, for example, may find switching to plastic more challenging. Yes, that's it. Well, well put. Well put, sir. Yes. So, no. that's a nice segue because I thought uh, my song theme this, this week... <laughs> You, there's no doubt about you, is there? <laughs> you are the pairing magician. So this is a food and wine pairing or a wine and wine oh, pairing. I love it. And I'm just going to play you a few songs that you'll probably know. and Well, a couple of you will, a couple of you won't. Um, okay. There's songs about wine. <laughs> Jimmy Barnes, on you, Jimmy Barnes, that's the cheap. I drove a fine car. You're certainly going to kick off for that one, don't you? Yeah, 100%. It's one of the great songs. No, I'm I'm agreeing with it. I'm agreeing with it. I'm agreeing with it. So that's, of course, cheap wine. You might not... You might not know this one. It's a good song. Get up early, going home and get my girly on. It's wine time. <laughs> yep. Hurry up with the mascara. I'm as dry as a Sahara. Yes, it's wine time. <laughs> a bottle and a platter, and there's nothing else that matters when it's wine time. I've known them since the 80s. They're the finest group of ladies when it's wine time. And I bet I've never heard of the artist either. Oh, Becky Cole. She's a. Uh, Australian, probably country and western yeah. type singer. Sounds in that region. That's called Wine Time. Wine Time. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice little song. Did it make the charts at all, possibly? No, it's just for the aficionados. <laughs> just there. Very good. Very good. Very good. 
we heard that we, over the years. We, we won't play all five minutes of it no. because it doesn't change much. Oh, it's <laughs> one of those that they just pressed the repeat button, didn't they? <laughs> it's called a, uh, a DJ. It's one of DJ's favourites because he can go to the toilet and go down the shops. <laughs> Ever singing. Oh, gosh. Um, right of course, originally sung by Neely Diamond. Ah, was it? Mm-hmm. Really nearly the time. You betcha. Yeah, okay. You betcha. Um, so that's that one. Yes. Here's another one. Familiar with the tune. Mm-hmm. That great, that sound. Get that girl. Look going on. I was once out strolling one very hot summer's day when I thought I'd lay myself down to rest in a big field of tall grass. Yeah, right on. I lay there in the sun in this grass and felt it caressing my face as I fell asleep. And dreamed. I dreamed I was in a Hollywood movie. That I was the star. Snoop Dogg's on the ground. This really blew my mind. Wait till I get to the chorus and I'll show that. An overfed, long-haired, leaping gnome. Is this one of those DJ songs? For it actually gets somewhere. There I was. Yeah, well, well, well. Well, well, well. Oh, the I flute's going now. <laughs> we got a flute. <laughs> anyway, that's Eric Burden. Yes. And War, with a song called Spill the Wine. That's it. For those that aren't familiar with that's it. That's it. And uh, that was a, that's a, it's quite an old song, that one. Yes, well, that's probably why I haven't heard it for a while, because I don't think that gets a run on any No, it doesn't get played on those days. stations you were mentioning before. Um, and uh, this is one. Yeah, oh, still going. Yeah, two, a couple more. Okay, a couple more. This is a more uh, modern song by um, a modern Australian band. Yeah. Black fingernails, red wine. Yeah. I wanna make yeah, you yeah. all 100%. mine. A lot of people on the ground. You wanna gather, you gotta go straight down. That's Eskimo Joe, Scotty. Indeed. I'm familiar with their work. Now you'll know these two. Right. is the piano man, Elton yes, John. Yes. 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 Indeed. El- the Elderberry wine. The elderberry Not something wine. I've had. No, I was Much of the Elderberry wine. I don't think I even know what an Elderberry is, <laughs> let alone what Elderberry wine is. So we'll have a quick break and right. uh, take some messages and we'll be back with, uh, back with one more. Okay. I've got one more for you. Great. And we're back. It's <laughs> <laughs> very quick. <laughs> yes. Well, we were just talking off, off, <clears throat> off air then about elderberry yes. wine. This is the other one I wanted to play you. It's a belter. Strawberries, cherries, and an angel's kiss in spring. It's a great song. My summer wine is really made from all these things. I walked in town on silver spurs that jingled too. A song that I had. 
Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood there, ah. knocking that one out of the park. Yeah, summer one. Back in the 60s? Yes, mate. Yeah, yes, way back it. then. Great song. So there you go, my friend. There's some songs about wine for you. 60 years ago. There yeah, you go. Yes, that's, right. that's right. Now, this caught my eye um, <clears throat> with a little article um, called The Empty Plate. So we're, oh, we've gone from so wine yeah, now, to now, food. Yeah, now we've gone to some food. <laughs> we're covering all the um, uh, all the funny. But areas. this I thought was actually quite clever, right? Um, so, and I won't give it away. I'll just sort of built my way through it, and then you can tell me what you think about it. Um, uh, there's publication, uh, a particular food guide. Mm-hmm. There, he's back in hard working teams of reviewers. Yes, he's actually work as they <laughs> they try and tell us. He's out and about reviewing restaurants for months on end. One of the many pieces of advice I give to new reviewers is to always go to the loo. At a restaurant? Hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're but there's a, a reason why no, you do okay, that. I'm glad. And it's not because you need to go to the loo. Right. Okay. I mean, you can if you want to. But <laughs> is, this, is this if the loo's They clean? look at me as if I'm slightly dotty, mm-hmm. which after 30 years of reviewing residents, I probably am. But there is methodology in my madness, he right. goes on to say. By taking the long way around to get to the toilets, weaving in and out as many tables as you can, you get to see what everybody's eating. Oh, that's true. Yes. So It helps you decide off the menu what you might like to but, have, but, perhaps. But if somebody's gone the long way to get to the loo, and they're peering over my shoulder... As I'm eating my Peking duck, they might well, mistake him for a waiter. I'm going to belt someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's got his eye on my food. That bloke. It's looking. Uh, it's looking at a picture menu. Yeah, you might see, see the that. same plate of food on every table and deduce that it's the venue signature dish. These teeth. These teeth. He's just a bit <laughs> new still. Um, you might see a spaghetti swimming in too much sauce. Uh, or someone trying and failing to cut through their steak. <laughs> oh, so, so, so the point being that you can can have a bit of a look yeah, at what other people are eating. You go for a bit eating. of a wander. So you go the long way and observe as many things. And yeah, you might find that you know there's well, five that or looks six good. tables. Yes. Yeah, that looks you good. go, I, I didn't see that on the menu, but damn, that looks good. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm guilty of having a look over to the next table to see Well, I'm, I sort arriving. of glanced to the left, and to, to my left and to my right, yes. but I wouldn't say that I go on a trick no, on the not. way to the bathroom in order to observe what other people are eating. No, um, that's, that's taking it a little bit And, and while far. you're there, uh, you soon discover if management is good at keeping the back of house in ship shape as the front. Well, that's, so you get to go that's and, very true. And I think, and I, I reckon that's pretty true too. I, I reckon when you go and find a sparkling good bathroom, yeah. then you're pretty confident that the stuff out the back in the kitchen it's going to be all is right. probably going to be of a pretty not going good to be standard. a health problem. There's not going to be many, but you go to some places and it looks as though it hasn't been touched for a decade. Looks like, then, um, looks like the Ukraine war in some of them. Um, so, and it says you you get more of a feel for the atmosphere, the working conditions of staff, even the quality of the brands of cooking oil and tomato sugo, and 15 litres. Uh, casts of cooking wine. Nosy, yes, but I see uh, forensics as part of the job. You don't use that information in the review, but you do take it into account when considering your experience. So there you go. Uh, Next time you think you, you might need to frequent the little room, uh, you might just go the wrong way by accident and just see what the rest of the punters are eating. Get lost and find yourself in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> or you lock yourself in the bathroom, you don't get to have lunch at all. Um, good. That's good. That's a good suggestion. Yes. I like it. Well, it's like a, it. it's a, just a, a tip. A tip for our listeners. Um, food. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Still. <laughs> Getting not hungry anymore. This is a uh, survey. Yeah. This is a survey of kids and oh. what they eat. And 78% of parents let their children decide what they want to eat. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, Keep the peace. 
82% of children aged 12 and under are not making their daily vegetable intake. No. 10%. Only 10% of children are made to eat all the food on their plates. In my day. (laughs) In my day. Yeah. You couldn't leave the table. No. Unless you finished everything you had. It was offensive. Um, Only 2.5% of parents bribe their children to eat. Yep, okay. Um, 5% said they distracted them into finishing their food. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, basically, it's a, it's a survey basically saying they're not getting any of their veggie intake. Was there any particular demographic that uh, applied no. to some of those statistics? No, I just thought I'd mention it because you mentioned food, and I just happened to notice that the other day <laughs> and thought, how could you just let your kid decide what Come on, kids. Just, go on, eat, um, eat your veggies. Now, I'm going to. This is a very, very. Um, it's about the human body. Right. This might happen to kids if they don't eat their, you know. You can't have your pudding if you don't eat your meat and all that. (laughs) This is space. I'm going to take you to space now. Wow. Because you love space. Yeah, I do like space. This is a fascinating one. This is called Space the Spinal Frontier. Spinal (laughs) Frontier. And why it's bad to the bone. So don't you love sub editors? Yep. Astronauts lose decades worth of bone mass in space. I've read this before. And many do not recover even after a year back on Earth. Really? Researchers warning it's a big concern for future Mars missions. Is it because there's no gravity? Is it? Well... Research has shown that astronauts lose between 1% to 2% of bone density for every month they spend in space because the lack of gravity, yes, well done, sir, uh, takes the pressure off their legs when it comes to standing and and walking. So they measure, they scan wrists, ankles, and shin bones of these astronauts before, during, and after their visits to the space station or wherever they go. Yeah, um, and the bone density loss, as I said before, one to two percent, is equivalent to how much they would shed in several decades if they were back on Earth. Really, and a lot of them, over fifty percent of them, had not fully recovered after a year back on terra firma and on Earth, and they were still whacking uh, about a decade's worth of bone mass. So they, so they actually can't. Um Turn it back the other way. They actually can't give them something to increase their well, bone I, density. I, I think they um, um, they do eventually recover, but it's a very slow process. Yeah, it's called rods in your leg. Yeah, <laughs> so wasn't that interesting? Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't, it, I wouldn't have had any idea about the it, after effects I, no, of that I, length of I say, I, gravity. I, stuff. I'd read it somewhere that um, that uh, f- you know, floating and, and the lack of gravity. Um, does have a uh, an issue with the uh, with your bone density. I but also, because um, of the stuff they eat, because they eat all those gels and you well, know, it's all powder, and powder and, and stuff, and it'd play havoc with your guts, wouldn't it? Yep, yep. And there's lots of food that they probably just can't eat. I mean, yeah. there's no fresh veggies. There's no fresh there. veggies out there. So you'd get my you duck out the back and pick a corn for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's only about three hundred thousand kilometres away, chief. <laughs> They'd need to pack that wine in the plastic. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah. You reckon they, yeah. have a, they have a drink up there? Yeah, yeah. No. Really? No. Nah. Gee, it'd want it, would be too it? much to go wrong. Really? Yeah. No, there'd be no P15 up there. No, no, no really? No one P15. P15 is not on the not spacecraft. On, not on the spacecraft. No, I don't reckon. It's looking less and less attractive being an astronaut to me. <laughs> or paying $2.8 million all, to go into all, space. Or paying no can't gain. Even, can't even have a little pedo while you're up there. Not even get, no, I reckon that would be bring absolutely. out the, the girl doesn't walk down with the trolley. And, but imagine hitting the wrong button, mate. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. pushing yourself in. You're into, right. <laughs> I thought it was the red one. I it was the red <laughs> one. Um, so I'll parlay into <laughs> this because this is funny. Well, not funny, but it's interesting. Because you I like Star see, Wars. I can see Stormtroopers. Yeah, well, this is about Star Wars. So what this is about is this is about the laws um, in space. So, right. Um, no wine. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is five main treaties apply right. to space. Right. I, I, and I didn't know this, which is why I thought you'd find it interesting. Yes. Um, so um, the, 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 the original one's the 1967 Outer Space Treaty. And the Moon Agreement. There's uh, a Moon Agreement. A Moon Agreement. The Moon Agreement basically <laughs> says the Moon can't be claimed by any country. That's a good thing. So it's got its own sovereignty. Yeah. Right? 
Um, Has it got its own postcode? <laughs> don't, don't know. I haven't sent email there for a while. Um, there's a treaty, the Outer Space Treaty forbids weapons of mass destruction in space. Right. Yep. And it provides guidelines for how states treat each other. So this is interesting because of the following. So you know how there's lots and lots of satellites up there? Yeah, thousands. Right. So, for example, um, there's satellites at the moment where the Ukraine are using them to see where the Russian troop movements are, are building up. Yep, for sure. So whilst Russia's not targeting those satellites at the moment, there is probably a strong legal argument that if a third party is providing information about Russian troop movements to the Ukraine, then Russia has a legal right to target that satellite. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Um, the law about the military use of space is relatively clear. It prohibits the use of force and armed attacks, but legal questions remain in an environment where countries continue experimenting with weapon systems and satellites. Right. For example, jamming a signal... Yeah. or using lasers to blind a satellite could be judged a use of force. So there's a lot of grey area. In, so, in but why why would they have the right potentially to blow up the satellite if it's actually showing where they've invaded another country? Well, it's all about the laws of space, man. <laughs> of space. So what they've done too, which this is the bit that why you've seen stormtroopers, yes. um, what they did... Um, They've taken the Star Wars movie, yes, and they've um, they've compared it to these laws to see how many laws they broke. Every single one of them. <laughs> Correct. So um, love it. So they took, I like Star Wars even more they now. Took, they took Star Wars and they reckoned that the Death Star. Oh yeah, was a war crime. Oh for sure. The Darth Vader's use of the Force to interrogate Han Solo. Yes. Amounted to torture? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Imprisonment. <laughs> and blocking the planet of... Blockading the planet of Naboo was unlawful. Oh, yeah. No, no, right? Got to love a bit of Naboo. And apparently, this is... You're going to Google this. There's an online quiz that takes people through the issues of international space law comparing the Star Wars movie oh. to those laws. So I think you should... I'm going to bring and that to the table. homework, Scotty. Yes. Right? Yeah. But it is, I thought, a pretty fascinating legal and ethical, probably ethical, debate well, around how all of that space junk gets used yeah. down here yep. and whether it can, is a legitimate potential target. So, I guess so. Pretty interesting. Um, if you know, if they've gone to the trouble of creating laws, then you may as well reinforce them. Well, I just think it's an interesting um, may thing. The re- I'm may, not a legal may, expert. May the reinforcement be with you. May the reinforcement <laughs> be with you, sir. My only take out of that was um, was the Death Star is uh, is a mass, weapon of mass destruction. Yes. There you go. Okay. That's Maybe it. Saddam Hussein should have had that. <laughs> <laughs> At least they would have found something. Darth now, Vader. Uh, How many movies it, of that Star if, Wars franchise have they made? Oh, I reckon... Nine? About eight or nine, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. I could see George down. Lucas still knocks him out? Oh, yeah, no that worries him? about that. Although, I th- uh, yes, but he sold the... He sold it. Oh, I did, didn't he? But made he, a mozza. He, he still makes them, yeah, but he sold the rights wow, to them. good on him. So, yeah, he actually made more by selling it. Got anything on space? Um, Well, it is to to do with the air because if memory serves, you were trying to sit here one day and convince me uh, that you were going to be a a beekeeper and you were going to make wine. (laughs) I was going to make make mead. Oh, mead. That's what it was. Mead from honey. Well, um, and and I don't – all I do know is that bees are vitally important to our ecostructure. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. So They pollinate uh, vines. They pollinate flowers. So, they pollinate vegetables. Then, old mate, we've got a problem. Right. Um, Victoria has restricted the movement of bees from New South Wales into the state after the varroa mite. The varroa mite. deadly to honeybees, was sure detected is. along the New South Wales uh, central coast. You don't want to mess with the varroa mite. Um, the acting chief protection officer, uh, 
um, said an how emergency. Those teeth, how are those teeth going, Scott? Hey, how are those teeth. Well, going? I'm just sort of trying to skip ahead, actually, because <laughs> um, I think we're probably about to run out of time. Um, an emergency biosecurity zone had been established around a property in Calga, west yep. of Gosford. Gosford. Since Varroa mite was first identified at the port of Newcastle last week, the department has been working with. Uh, with apiary industry bodies and stakeholders to ensure beekeepers are informed and empowered to be part of this critical response. So, um, and I saw there was something on TV, they're dying in their millions. It's a very, it's yeah. it's, it's probably deserving of further um, um, yep. explanation and uh, investigation. And what I did see on the news bulletin uh, about it was that they've drawn these lines of delineation about what you can and can't do or what can happen over certain areas. You know, there'd be a bloke on one side of the road that'll, that can get the help he needs. There'd be a bloke on the other side where they go, too bad, Charlie, you should have moved. On the other side of the rabbit-proof yeah. fence. So mm. it's, um, but it's a problem. And mm. if they don't get on top of it, we might have a serious problem with our mm. ecosystem. A pollination somewhere. problem. Um, An ecosystem problem. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's about the last thing we need, isn't it? No, and no mead. <laughs> and, and no, no mead. And there might be no honey. Oh. I don't know. Well, um, Scotty. Are, are we, we done? I think I think we're probably done. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 All right. Um, so we might... Um, Time skips when you're having fun. Keep all the rest Under of that stuff for another time. All right, mate. All right, mate. Great to see you. See you, champ. See you, bud. <laughs>